Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Vent. This is Vent Weekly. A collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. get a cracking. This is Vent Weekly. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Emilio. Each episode, we chat to a journalist or expert about a topic we think is important. Emilia, did you know that every week, at least two women in the UK are killed by their stalkers and domestic abusers? No, I had no idea it was that amount of people, but you know what, it doesn't even surprise me. Actually, I'm not surprised. Even though it's not reported in the news much, I know that it's going on yeah. underground and secretly. I guess I would define stalking as obsessive behaviour from one person towards another. Unwanted attention. I think stalking is probably very common, especially with the internet as well. It's so easy to find people now. Yeah, I don't think it happens too often. Maybe on social media a little more. Obviously, you don't have to show your face as much, so you just do it behind closed doors or whatever. Today we're joined by journalist Zing Singh, writer and organiser of the Vice Unfollow Me campaign, to talk about why we don't hear more about the issue. Hey Zing. Hey. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good, good thanks. Good, thank how are you? you? Yeah, I'm good. So just to get started on the issue, could you just like give us a definition of stalking and a bit about it? So Basically, I think a lot of people have this misguided idea that stalking is some stranger who follows you home at night. And that's not necessarily everything that stalking is. So stalking is basically classified as repeated, harassing, unwanted, intrusive behaviour. So if, for instance, you have someone who seems to be, you know, harassing you online repeatedly and persistently against your consent, that can still be counted as stalking. So I think the main thing that defines stalking is that it's a violation of your consent. You don't want to be followed. You don't want to be contacted. But there's a person repeatedly doing it anyway. Zing, could you talk a bit about the Unfollow Me campaign? So basically, the Unfollow Me campaign was an editorial campaign we ran on broadly in collaboration with an anti-stalking charity called Paladin, basically trying to raise awareness of stalking among young people, especially young women, and also asking the government to introduce something called the Stalkers Register, which would make it a lot easier to monitor and track stalkers making sure that they don't move from victim to victim. So, for instance, we cover the story of a girl called Alice Ruggles, who was killed by her ex-boyfriend, Harry Dillon. Basically, Harry had obsessively stalked his other ex-girlfriends before, but it was only when it came to Alice's case that the obsession kind of grew dangerously out of control and he ended up climbing in through her window and killing her while she was asleep. So if you don't apprehend these stalkers right at the beginning, there's a chance that they could develop into something even worse. Um, So what the stalkers register would have done 
would have been to make sure that all the stalkers, if they're accused, if they're convicted, the police would be able to trace them. So if another woman, like their next girlfriend, for instance, would say, there's this guy, you know, we broke up, but he's now stalking me. I'm really worried because he seems like he might get violent. Police would be able to find out if he's had previous records of convictions, which currently, because police departments don't really speak across to each other, that isn't happening. Wait, so if I was like in a relationship and I... Um, sets obsessive behavior mm-hmm. if I go to the police and ask about him could I get that information if he has previous offenses yes you could but you had you have to specifically request that information from the police oh which a lot of people don't do right because you're never going to be like oh this guy that I went on a date with is kind of weird I bet he must have stalked loads of other women before yeah you don't think you, about you don't that. really think about that so what the stalkers register would do it would make the police be in charge of sharing that information with you so if you went to them and you said there's this guy It's kind of freaking me out. Like, what should I do? They would be obliged to tell you, oh, yeah, we looked him up on this record. Turns out he stalked other women before. You should probably be careful. So that's so sinister, to be honest. Like, just thinking about the whole thing, especially about the guy, Harry, who um, had climbed in through his window. It almost sounds like an obsession with murder as opposed to, like, an obsession with the person because, I mean, if you were obsessed with them and you wanted them around, then why would you kill them? I think it's a control thing. It's like, if I can't have you, nobody, nobody else, else can. can. Yeah. You know, it's something you hear in songs and in music <laughs> all the time. Even j <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> true, yeah. Actually, I was just <laughs> listening to that song the other day and I was like, Oh, shit. Yeah. People were tweeting about that, saying that that sounds weird. Why is he saying that? But then when you actually think about it, it's just like, oh, wait, that's a bit creepy. I think it's because these kind of romantic ideas are so normalised in society. That's it. You know, to the point where Jay Huss sings about it, you know, and people aren't acting like he's kind of weird or creepy, even though the sentiment itself is kind of weird and creepy, right? It's like the first thing that he says in the song is, if I can't have you, nobody can. Exactly. But I think with most rappers, though, they have this demeanour of control over their girlfriends. Like, I feel like I see that pattern and girls, especially like young girls, like feed into it and like it. So I think it's... um, accepting that behaviour and reinforcing it. That's why there's so many signs of stalking and controlling behaviour that people don't notice because it becomes some kind of like trend to be with a guy who has a lot of control over you and you want to be submissive. So you just you kind of lose sight of yourself and you fall into the trap. Um, and if it wasn't so normalised through the media and through, like, through music and stuff and movies and whatever, then I guess people would have a sense of awareness in terms of like the red flags that are about because they're, they're always there. Yeah, so it was completely for that reason that we wanted to do Unfollow Me because these kind of behaviours are so normalised and accepted in society. I feel like if you're a girl, somebody being jealous that you're talking to a boy is almost like a sign that he really likes you, but it really shouldn't be because why would you talking to a man who isn't him incite this level of jealousy? It doesn't really make sense. And why we did Unfollow Me was so that we could kind of educate people as to these red flags because they are so prevalent and they're sometimes signs of something much more sinister at work. While doing the Unfollow Me campaign, we came across stalkers who were grown-ups, like, you know, men in their 40s, 50s, all the way down to stalkers who were at uni in their student years. So I think it literally can happen like, at any point in your life. There isn't really a proper, like, 
I guess, a profile of a stalker, because what defines a stalker is this set of behaviors rather than, you know, a stereotype or a demographic. So do you think it comes down to toxic masculinity? Because I feel like men feel like they need to be in control, especially to their like friends who are boys and show that they've got control over their girlfriends and, and jealousy as well. Do you feel like it comes down to that as well? It does boil down to control. And I think one of the big things about toxic masculinity is I think a lot of guys feel as if they can't be seen to lose control, whether that's like emotionally. So, you know, boys don't cry, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Or whether it's like financially, where it's like really shameful for men to admit that they have, you know, problems with money or they lost their jobs. And that also boys comes to play in relationships where it's like you can't be seen to be losing control of the relationship. And I think that for some people being seen to lose control of your partner is the most shameful thing and that's where the stalking then comes in because then they think you know well I want to control what this person is doing I don't trust them you know this is a form of how I show love and that's the really fucked up thing about it because it's not love it's a form of like control I personally I don't think I've been stalked to a level that I would call it stalking but there's been like a creepy creepy level of following I was staying in a hotel in Bournemouth and got a call at three o'clock in the morning when I was out from an unknown number saying that they knew where I was staying, they knew which room I was in. And then I got a call from the hotel security saying there's someone banging on your door asking for you by name. And then I called the hotel and they said we don't have security. There was a guy that kept like messaging me and then he turned it outside our house. He was just angry with me because I didn't want to get with him. <laughs> this is whole big epidemic on social media. I don't know, Supreme, if you've seen it as well and using, but about like people, this whole debate about can my boyfriend have my password to my phone? Mm-hmm. Or can my girlfriend have my password to my really? phone? And I just feel like, yeah, and I just think it's just such an invasion of privacy in the sense that, of course, people want to have some kind of certainty and reassurance that I think everything's going well and that, you know, the opposite party is being loyal. But I feel like it's just taking it too far. Like, why do you need to see who I'm messaging and my conversations that I'm having? And why can't I have my friendships that are outside of our relationship? And that in itself, like that sense of control, where you're demanding like someone's password to their phone is a, is a huge red flag in my opinion. I think you have your own phone, use yours, I'll use mine. What do the people who are pro this have to say? Like, what is their argument for giving the password to their phones? I think it's just like, oh, well, it's because I'm not doing anything anyway, so he can have it. And like, yeah, it's all that. But it doesn't mean just because you give them or you don't give them your password doesn't mean that there is an absence of loyalty. And I think that's where the like the lines are blurred. It's like, how can my privacy equate to me being disloyal or something's going on behind the scenes? I think it's just the thing where I just want to have my life and you can just have yours. And when we come together, we're together and it's calm. But I don't need to have... All, all of me, you don't have to have access to all of me all the time. I just think it's it's just too much. And I just couldn't, if that was me, could never be Yeah, but that's an unhealthy relationship though. And I also find that girls tend to gloat about it. So when yeah. glo- um, girls speak to each other, they go, and if they're all in a relationship, they're like, oh, well, d- my man gave me his password to his phone. It's more of a thing like, I got his password. Do you have his password? Oh, he hasn't given it to you. Yeah, it's always going on. It's like it's like bringing up this whole sense of like suspicion, and it's just unnecessary. And it's kind of 
I don't know. Just... And especially if that girl who doesn't have the password had no suspicion, her friends might be the one to egg her on and be like, why hasn't he given you his password? Are you sure he's not doing something? And that's where girls go wrong. Like, mm. girls should never be saying that to their friends. It's borderline manipulative yeah. in a way. It's just exactly. manipulating a situation, like a narrative that they want to feel as though their relationship is better than someone else's. So they're going to put that, that plant that like seed of doubt in your mind. And so that you're going like to go and start looking for a problem that isn't there. And that element of control from you becomes a thing. And then it can kind of backfire on you anyway, because he's going to be like, well, what's in your phone? I think that the fact that these behaviours are so normalised, like to the point where even girls among themselves are almost egging each other on to, to open themselves up to become victims of stalking, speaks to the fact that stalking is so widespread. So we commissioned a YouGov poll as part of Unfollow Me to find out how much of a problem stalking was in society. And I think one in five people said they knew someone who had been stalked. But the thing is, these people aren't going to the police. So, you know, if you look at police figures for stalking and the number of stalkers they bring to the courts to put them on trial, it is far lower than one in five people. Um, and I kind of feel like that's just because people don't regard a lot of these behaviours as stalking. So people don't take it seriously. People think it means that they love you or they're really into you or it's, it shows how much they trust you that they want to like know where you are at all times. But it's not your fault at all. It's like completely his behaviour. He's the one who's doing wrong. And I think that that's what a lot of stalking victims feel. They feel as if it's their fault for like, you know, letting things slide or like allowing it to happen. It's never your fault for allowing these things to happen. With this situation, most definitely must have some sort of like negative implications towards young people's mental health, especially younger girls who are easily like influenced and manipulated by male attention and kind of thing. And they might take it for gospel and kind of like not really see the signs. So are there any reports of like a decline in like mental health because of this? It's difficult to kind of draw direct comparisons, I think, because as far as I know, there hasn't been any kind of studies done in the UK about mental health impacts for young girls who have been stalked because there's an underreporting problem in that a lot of girls don't feel like what's happening to them is serious enough to like warrant like reporting it to the police, which, by the way, if you want to, you should totally report it to police. You know, in terms of mental health impacts, like it really affects your mental health. And I think a lot of people don't realise that if it's online stalking, it can be almost as bad as physical stalking. I mean, I shouldn't draw comparisons. I would say they're both awful in different ways because, you know, if your entire life is online, if it's on the phone, you know, someone messaging you, DMing you, calling you constantly can be just as invasive as someone turning up on your doorstep every night. There needs to be more education for everyone. People need to know what the like, warning signs are. I think that there should be more measures taken online for like privacy. Contact details need to be more private, especially like in the workplace as well. Maybe raising more awareness about what stalking is, because I think there might be some people out there who are behaving in ways that aren't acceptable and don't necessarily realise. Yeah, I think people need to be more aware of what counts as stalking. It's not just physically following someone. There's other things to consider. Respecting people's boundaries and respecting, you know, when people say no, it's, it's got, like, everyone's got to learn how important that is. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I feel like a lot of these issues in society currently are just like down to a lack of education. So do you feel like, even with your Unfollow Me campaign, would you kind of take it to schools and actually go and do workshops with people? Is that something that you're looking to do? Or? We actually did a video about the case I spoke about earlier, Alice Ruggles, and that's been shown in schools to educate, I think, six formers and up. And I think that definitely more needs to be done to educate young girls, especially about the red flags in relationships. But I think also a lot more needs to be done to educate young men and boys to say that, you know, it's not right to demand the passcode on your girlfriend's mobile phone, that you don't have to know where your girlfriend is 24-7, that there are different ways to show that you're a good boyfriend that don't involve trying to control where she is and know her location at all at all times. You know, I think a lot more needs to be done to kind of teach boys that this is not how you engage in a healthy, loving relationship. Yeah, I think that's such an important point because I tend to realise, and my mum and dad has done this to me as well, where they actually blame the girl and they say, for example, don't wear this outfit, it will get you more attention right. from boys. Don't walk in that alleyway, because there's an alleyway near my house. Don't walk in that alleyway during wintertime because it gets darker, because a guy might like approach you. And even with like these rape cases and everything, when it's even shown on on the news it will be like oh this woman she was running at night time that's why like and especially older people like my grandma and stuff they tend to be like oh it's um she shouldn't have been out at night and and that's so wrong you shouldn't be blaming the female because like you said you should be teaching the males more about about their behavior because they're the ones that need to be taught not the females we should be allowed to dress how we want go where we want like it should be a free yeah. right that we have. Now that actually hit me in my chest because I know with cultural families as well, I'm from a Caribbean family and most women in my family do not care if something's going on with you. You should have been dressed appropriately, whatever appropriate is. And like, you should have been here at this time. You shouldn't have been out at that time. It's never, oh, are you okay? And I think, I wouldn't say it's unreported. I think a lot of girls w will go and say something to their family, especially if they're from like a minority ethnic background. I'm not sure if I'm right. I'm just kind of making the assumption because... I know about cultures, isn't it? You're 100% right. Right. <laughs> You're 100% You'll right. go to your family and you'll say something and you get blamed. So the blame culture just, it kind of ends there and the conversation is never really expanded um, because I just don't think that our parents from our cultures understand like the issues with social media and the issues with male entitlement um, and things like that. They don't really, or they understand it, but they don't pay attention to it. They just expect you guys to be flawless exactly and like my mom's an amazing woman don't get me wrong but I've had numerous arguments about this because I have a younger brother he's eight years old and I just want to teach him simple things like consent if mm -hmm. a girl says no it's no like don't push it in like any sort of situation even if it's just something like can I get your number and she says no like just leave her alone like I think if you learn it in those small steps, then it wouldn't escalate. Yeah, but you know, yeah. like, you know, with cultures and stuff, sorry, Zing, um, but you know, like, in cultural families and whatever, like, boys are, are raised differently to girls. A hundred percent. You know that. Like, golden child yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And from, like, I'm from an Asian background and literally the the males in my family are worshipped. Like, they can't do 
any wrong. And it's the girls, like, if I go clubbing or something, it's how I dress. You should be... And I know a lot of girls who leave their house dressed in a certain way just to impress their family and then take it off and wear something else. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And me, when I raise a daughter, I don't want her to ever do that. Like, that's just such a broken relationship to me. I want her to have that trust that she could be able to walk out however she wants. And so I know what she's doing. Yeah. And I just feel like culturally as well yeah. that needs to be spoken about like it needs to be an o- open conversation because telling your daughter it's her fault she shouldn't be wearing this she shouldn't be doing that is just making her do it more and you're making her feel like there's something wrong which could also lead to like mental health problems as right. well and I also feel like a direct result of that is that if something does happen, she won't feel comfortable enough to tell her parents, which is the most fucked up thing, right? You should be able to rely on your parents to support you. And if you get into trouble, they'll help you out. But if you feel like somehow you're embarrassing them or they'll be ashamed of you for doing something that wasn't your fault or for something that happened to you that wasn't your fault, then how are you supposed to help them? I think, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I'm really feeling it. I think it definitely starts at home. Mm-hmm. It definitely starts at home. I think people need to introduce some kind of a, a dialogue between parents and children so that they don't feel as though there's some kind of block emotionally and just verbally, generally speaking. Um, I feel like people, obviously parents have their ways of asserting their parenthood versus childhood. But you also need to establish, I wouldn't say a friendship, but definitely a more casual and calm dialogue between your children, especially your female children and your and your boy children too. But girls are more likely to be the victims of these issues with stalking, with entitlement, with control, with possession. And so if there's we kind of need to eradicate this whole blame culture between parents and children because I think if you can't tell your own family, you're there's no help, like there's no way in hell you're going to go and tell the police. I mean, these conversations are basically the entire reason why we wanted to start Unfollow Me because you wanted to be able to help young women and girls to kind of put into words what's happening to them and feel empowered enough to seek help. So whether that's talking to your families or your teachers or your people in your peer group or the police or an anti-stalking charity like Paladin, what we wanted to do is to give people confidence to say, actually, this thing happening to me is really fucked up and it's not okay and I want to do something about it because it's not right. Yeah, Zing, what you've done is, like, amazing. Thank you so much for coming on Vent Weekly. Um, What you've said to us has just been really insightful, really educational. It's definitely made me feel some kind of way and, like, I wish that I had that that Unfollow Me campaign when I was growing up because it probably would have helped me spot signs of things sooner. So I know a lot of young girls are really going to benefit from what you guys are doing. So thank you so much. You know, all the content is still out there. All the resources and guides and videos are still on the website. So if anybody is feeling troubled or, you know, thinks that they might be a victim of stalking and would like some advice, it's all on the website. Just take a look on vice.com. Okay, thank you so much, Zing. Thank you. Thank you. (sighs) Sabrina, that was heavy. When we were speaking to Zing, I just feel like the way that we were speaking about social media and how it's normalised, she was really shocked about that. But in my eyes, I was just thinking, this is such a normal girl chat conversation that you have with your girls. And just speaking about healthy relationships, I think that's really important. But you know, I feel like it's the boys that need the education in that, more so than the girls, because it's them who actually kind of um, are the perpetrators of that kind of behaviour. And yeah, girls can learn to say no, but actually the education starts with them. 
And I think actually in the older generations, there seems to be a bit of a reluctancy to teach their sons these things. And so they go out into the world and they go based on having no education and training on how to have boundaries because they're God's gift to earth. And so that's why they behave in this way. And I think if it starts in the house, then they can move out into the world and behave properly. But unfortunately, they're not getting that grounding. Thank you for listening to Vent Weekly. I've been Sabrina. And I've been Amelia. And thanks a lot to Zing for coming to chat. You can find more of Zing's articles on vice.com. This episode was produced by the Vent production team, Jess Lawson, Amelia Gill, Moeed Majid and Kamaya Shea Cowell. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent London Borough of Culture 2020. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.